Rorschach's Journal, October 12, 1985. Dog carcass in the alley this morning. Tire tread on burst stomach. This city is afraid of me. I have seen its true face. The streets are extended gutters, and the gutters are full of blood. And when the drains finally scab over, all the vermin will drown. The accumulated filth of all their sex and murder will foam up around their waists, and all the whores and politicians will look up and shout, Save us! And all look down and whisper, No. They had a choice, all of them. They could have followed in the footsteps of good men, like my father or President Truman, decent men who believed in a day's work for a day's pay. Instead, they followed the droppings of leeches and communists and didn't realize that the trail led over a precipice until it was too late. Don't tell me they didn't have a choice. Now the whole world stands on the brink, staring down into bloody hell. All those liberals and intellectuals and smooth talkers, and all of a sudden nobody can think of anything to say. Watchman Number 1, written by Alan Moore, artwork by David Givens from September 1986, and you are listening to Heroes Home Base Podcast, Episode 42. <clears throat> Hey, this is Mark. This is Rob. Hey, this is Rich. So this week, we've got the latest issue of Batman Catwoman, issue number four. Still kind of not feeling it. This week, was uh-oh, a little bit, this week was a little bit better because I just kind of, they kind of gave us some nostalgia with going back and talking to the previous supervillains of the Batman's era. Yeah. So that was kind of cool to see. That's the only part that I really liked about it. Not just any era, but it's almost as if Danny DeVito is Thank drawn you. into the panel. Thank you. And yeah. Quote Thank unquote, you. The uh, he quoting Batman Returns there. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So we'll dig into that. Also tonight, we're resurrecting every so often. This death comes back from the grave. We got another home base communication. So Mark, why don't you give us a little insight on who that's going to be? We have Demetrius from Anyone Comics uh, in Brooklyn, New York. I he I actually have he and I have a bit of a little history, and um, we got him on the show tonight. So it was good to talk to him. Hell yeah! All right, so we did have an email written into the show following, from uh, following Jesse Weber. Our, our last episode. Why don't you go ahead and read that? Yeah, so uh, we had Jesse on the show. Um, a while back so he wrote into us back on april fool's day so uh hey guys love the podcast the three of you have a natural ease with each other that comes through your conversations you recently reviewed the snyder cut of justice league all of you gave it a rave review i don't normally um yuck other people's yum but rob said i should send in my thoughts on the movie i did not like the snyder cut in my mind a hero in my mind, a hero is someone that you. All right, go ahead power. and delete it. Go ahead and delete it and throw it in the trash can. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> in my mind, a hero is someone that uses their power to benefit others. In the comics, Batman and Lex Luthor have much in common. Both are incredibly intelligent, rich, excellent businessmen, and master tacticians. The main difference between Batman and Lex Luthor is that Batman uses his powers to benefit others and Lex Luthor uses his powers to benefit himself. That is what makes Batman a hero and Lex Luthor a villain. 
In Snyder's movies, a main theme is that the individual does not owe anything to the greater society. In A Man of Steel, Pa Kent tells young Clark that he doesn't need to use his powers to benefit others. He says you shouldn't have to use his powers to save a busload of kids. He even dies so that, so that, so that Clark can keep his powers hidden. This is not heroic behavior. In Batman v Superman, we get Martha telling Clark that he doesn't owe the world anything. This is not heroic behavior. In Justice League, we don't get much Superman. We do get Cyborg's dad telling him that his powers will allow him to benefit himself. Being selfish isn't easy. That's why it is heroic. There are no actual heroes in the Snyderverse. Justice League has some very pretty scenes. Most of the action sequences are enjoyable. The CGI is mostly good. Darkseid looks ridiculous. The main fault is that it lacks heroes. Anyways, I'm glad you guys enjoyed the movie. I enjoy hearing you take joy in it. Jesse. All right, so I got problems with everything he said. <laughs> well, first, I appreciate... Um, uh, Jesse, thanks for writing in, Bob. No, I appreciate that, you know... He, his difference uh, of opinion. He can offer his perspective, and if everybody liked it, then we probably have... Uh, a lot less fun in the world. Um, let me but, just uh, let me just I'll I'll break down my points and we'll and uh, you guys can weigh in. Um, I I understand that uh, the way that Scott Snyder does things and the way his stories are told don't always resonate with uh, the way people perceive like they want them to be. That's some of the biggest criticism that he gets. Um. But I also, I don't know if I've said this on the show, but uh, I've talked to Sean Patterson and a few other people multiple times. I've talked to Anthony Desiadio about this. I've, this Snyder's take on a superhero story is rooted in the real world. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's, we're going to put these characters in a real world scenario. And I feel like Batman v Superman was ahead of its time. And I feel like if it would have come out today or this year, that it probably wouldn't be as shit on as it has been because I, I just feel like that the the additional character in BVS was the media. And you even look at the end of Man of Steel where he destroys a drone and tells the now Martian Manhunter that stop trying to find me, you won't, and you're not going to control me when he was, you know, surrendered himself. But I'll just speed this up here. So the whole Pa Kent thing, I'm looking at it through the lens of being a dad, okay? So they have this kid who's an alien trying to explain to an adolescent child that they're not from here and and knows that he has these great abilities and they're scared for him and all you want to do, your parental instinct is to protect your child he was trying to explain to him that he needed to be careful when using his powers. And he said that, you know, he didn't say you shouldn't have used your powers to save the kids because he asked him, he said, so what should I have done? Should I just let him die? And he said, maybe, but Clark made the decision to save all his schoolmates on the school bus, which was heroic. And Clark's dad told him not to save him because he knew the world would know that he existed and he didn't think he was ready to be what Jor-El planned him to be. Jonathan knew nothing about Jor-El, but the world was going to know who he was and he didn't feel he was ready to expose himself to the world. And as a father, he said, nope, don't 
save me. I'm still protecting you. And in that eye, Jonathan is heroic towards his son. And he also saw that Clark was his father. Your, your dad asked you not to save you and when you could. And he took that as he told, he was telling me that the world wasn't ready and he was trying to protect me. Um, when Clark is going through these struggles with the, he needs to go talk to Congress and these senators who, who Lex Luthor painted him as this villain who, you know, murdered all these people, which that wasn't true, but it's like the government would just step in and try to regulate and overtake Superman in a real world scenario. So to me, that was, pretty accurate and i honestly think that the world like if this was a true story in a real like superman would get it even worse i feel that he would get bombarded non-stop like we got to have the superman bill like we're gonna regulate him and he's you know what i mean like I, I just to me it was taking superhero stories and weighing it in real world scenarios and cyborg's dad did say you you have the ability to be extremely selfish he did say that, but he also said you have the ability to it's going to be it's going to be tempting. But, you know, I basically trust you to make the right decisions. I don't think that that means that he's not heroic. Another thing that I don't think we should forget about is the ending to BVS. OK, so Clark is getting bombarded the whole time in this movie. Like, do I fit into this world? His mother did say that you don't owe this world anything. And as a mother, she was basically still trying to protect him like you really don't. But again, going against what his father said and now what she said, he still chooses to give himself to the world. And he hasn't done anything to deserve the criticism that he's gotten from the media, from the politicians. Some people were uh, protesting him when he went to go speak. It's real world scenarios. And at the end, he still decides to sacrifice himself for the planet, ultimately ends up dying for humanity and then at the very end all the people build a monument and they miss him because they know what he did for the planet so don't tell me that there aren't heroes in this universe those are kind of my thoughts uh the cgi was we've already talked about that and i don't think dark side looked ridiculous i thought dark side was pretty fantastic and badass in that movie so um there are heroes in the snyderverse and I, I, I don't, I, I guess I appreciate Jesse's opinion. I just highly disagree with it. So, well, we appreciate the difference of opinion and you, Jesse, you know, writing, taking the time, it was thoughtful and well put out and we appreciate it. I guess the uh, only other thing I would say, um, I do disagree with some of the points he's making. I guess I can see um, how one could come to the conclusion that a theme that the individual doesn't owe anything to the greater society. But um, he made the decision to... Well, hold on, hold on. I think what's interesting is, I guess I wonder what the contrast is. I guess if I had a follow-up for Jesse, I really want to know what the contrast is because I do think, um, I do think your point's well taken, Rich, that characters into a real-life scenario, and I think they are operating in the same reality we operate on which is very much individualistic and balancing that struggle of you know how do i preserve myself but also give to that greater good so i don't think superman in this universe ever struggled with saving people and ever struggled with he struggled with people just 
you know, painting him as something that, you know, how do I deal with all these, these constant bombardments of different people and different, you know, telling me I shouldn't do this or I shouldn't do that. And when he took it, well, I think what, like, I wasn't going to come save you. Well, I guess what, what I, I would take away from this is I think what Snyder has done really well, I think most notably in man of steel is he forces the godlike characters like Superman to make very human decisions. Mm-hmm. And the the church scene is coming to mind where he's really yes. wrestling with, you know, I could actually be Earth's protector, but do I sacrifice myself? And if I do that, they could very well just kill everybody. So trying to to balance the responsibility of having these powers but also trying to potentially save people that don't want him to do that. And ultimately he surrendered him, surrenders himself. So earth isn't attacked by Zod. So that's not heroic in the Snyder verse. Yeah. I think I, again, I think um, I'd just be interested to hear from Jesse more about what, what he's contrasting the Snyder verse with to, I guess, to believe that there's no heroes. I just feel like the whole thing was Batman realizing his faults and unifying this group to be what it what it should be to help preserve the planet from an invasion and it was really about bringing the group together so whether we get to see a continuation from that i i don't know but well yeah and also i think it was and again we kind of revealed this in the snyder cut was it was pretty much fighting Superman was Batman's undoing because he realized that this, this, the, the problems that we're now facing require me to not be the Lone Ranger anymore. Yeah. And it requires me to fundamentally shift how I do my job. And in fact, I now have to go from being the dark Knight to a founding member of this team, which is, which is really different. So I think it, again, it challenges even the mortal heroes to wrestle with what's more important. My, my devotion to the oath I took to my parents to defend Gotham, or do I have to branch out and challenge myself to do things differently to potentially save the world? So I just, I don't know, to to wrap my thoughts on it, these are all really complex characters. Maybe the only one that wasn't super complex was the Flash. And I feel like we're really not going to get to context. Uh, That was really the only thing that was missing was his origin a little bit. Like you got cyborgs, you you got Wonder Woman's, you got Superman. Everybody knows Batman's origin. I, I just feel like all, even Aquaman, we didn't get much. We got it from the, the, from the Aquaman movie, but these are really totally dynamic and different characters that are struggling with their own shit. And to me, it's not just justice league. Let's go save the world. Like he's trying to take an original context rooted in real life. And Mm -hmm. that I guess is the big struggle for a lot of people because these aren't real. This would never happen in real life, but you know, from the outside looking in, I I appreciate the stories more because Clark is human more than a lot of people. And Batman sees humanity and Clark when he realizes that he's got a mother on earth and Diana leaves her Island to go help save man 
from what she perceives to be an evil god and uh cyborg was just some normal college kid with a high iq and has an accident and and diana convinces him that he's got these gifts that he can use and he's convinced that he should and he misses his dad he's connected to his dad who dies like there's a ton of layers to every single one of these Zack snyder created written characters in his universe and they're all heroes anything to add mark no i i'm i I'm not as attached to these characters. You know, I'm not 100, I'm not fully in DC, but I just like the difference of opinion. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed, it was entertaining for me. And I just, I, I liked hearing Jesse's side. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate you writing in, Jesse. Uh, Mark, you got any news to discuss? Anything? Nothing? Just that they're creating as a, as a Tana movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, Embold. Fennel, the Oscar-nominated director of Promising Young Woman, she is doing a Zatanna movie. Any release date? Uh, no. There's uh, no release date. I think she's just going to be, they just attached her to write it. Okay, so it's in the real early infancies of it. Yeah. Um, Looks like Black Adam starting production. Anybody? Yeah. Anybody? Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll see it. I don't know a whole. I don't know anything. I think about if anything, if anybody can save the Snyderverse, I think it might be Dwayne the Rock Johnson. So let's hope. I've read a few things. I, I can't cite anything, but I've read that uh, he has a lot of control uh, over probably one of the number one, you know, actors right now. So I think he's got a huge amount of clout, and I don't know what contract-wise, but I think he might have a whole lot of control as to who he wants for cast and where he wants the story to go. So, you know, we might see Henry Cavill still as Superman. So um, I did read an article. I want to say it was from Screen Rant, or it might have been Bleeding Cool. I'm not quite sure that they were... That Michael Keaton wasn't a for sure shoe in for the flash movie yeah and that that. they might be going after christian bale and trying to talk him into it but sign him up too man let's get keaton bale and aflac that would be freaking awesome uh that's really the only thing that i had uh my riches poll this week it's been kind of thin i don't know if i mentioned that i i read the uh keanu reeves berserker book i did Mm -hmm. read that i think i might have mentioned that I did read Scott Snyder's Noctera that came out of probably about a month ago. I think issue two is getting ready to drop, but uh, I did mention this on the uh, home-based communication uh, with our guests, but something's killing the children from boom studios. Like that looks, that book is awesome. Like I just got the trades and I'm going to have to go get some of the uh, individual books. I might have to go to world's greatest to uh, catch up on that, but tiny James tiny and writing that, uh, I love it. It's kind of a horror, creepy book, and it, you know, it's usually not my thing. But I branched out last year with reading a lot of Swamp Thing and really weird books, and that just fits into that corner of my mind. So, uh, yeah, that's that's really the only thing I've been reading lately. Um, kind of waiting for Mark's Marvel books to come out. So, yeah. Okay, so Batman Catwoman number four. This was a quick one. This is yep. a really quick one. Uh, I'll just do some highlights. Uh, I still love Clayman's artwork. I know Mark is kind of on the fence with it, but uh, he's just got like a splash page an issue that I freaking love. Like this one is the Phantom or Phantom. Why do I keep saying the Phantom? The Phantasm walking through the buildings like that splash mm-hmm. page. 
Uh, I'm finally, I'm digging it a little bit more. Like this might be my favorite issue. I know it was quick, but we're starting to get a little bit more phantasm here. Like it's not just a couple panels. I, 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 I love Batman or Batwoman, Helena. I love her investigation. Uh, I love, I still love the nostalgia piece. We're basically in the middle of the mask of the phantasm animated movie with the world's the world of the future and the, the Gotham fair. world Gotham. fair. Yeah. Yeah. And talking about that, I don't know. It was a little bit easier. There really wasn't a whole lot of going back and forth between the timelines here. And what we did get was, I guess, meaningful. Obviously Selena tells Bruce there's a bomb. So he knows that she's been talking to the Joker. And I guess, I don't know. It's just, a, it's another good continuation filler book. Um, so I guess for me, I enjoyed the uh, nostalgia Easter eggs, like mentioning, I like the the Batman Returns quote between the Penguin and Catwoman. Yeah. Um, Again, it looked just like DeVito on the page. I did like the World's Fair referencing, um, which I thought was pretty cool. But what what stood out to me is kind of the unexpected, kind of like the Beware the Grey Ghost. They're throwing in the animated series Easter eggs in there too, because the way Clayface was drawn was spot on. Yeah. Like yes. I've seen that character drawn so many different ways reading, you know, the detective books in the eighties um, clearly was following the animated series on that, that design. I just love that picture. So I just like how, you know, they're playing to the nineties, you know? So um, that's pretty much what I got to say. But again, I, I agree with you, Rich. Quick read, a little bit more filler stuff, but um, I enjoyed it. I do think I need to go back and start over again. I know I mentioned that the last time we, we reviewed the third issue. I just think I want to keep the timeline succinct a little better. Yes. Um, so I might have to give, I might have to make that happen. Mark, what you got for us, bud? I pretty much said everything I want to say in the beginning. Um, I love, you know, Jim Lee's covers have are, have really drawn me in. And I just think that they're doing, my favorite part of the book was when they just revisited some of Batman's previous uh, past villains. And mm-hmm. then I, that's what I liked about it. I'm still on the fence about the book. It's just not really catching for me. Uh, I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I do think it's a little slow, but uh, that's just Tom King. <laughs> I hate to have a Tom King bitch corner every time we have an episode, but you know, we did pick the book to review. So Uh, one thing I will say just kind of uh, some recent comic book genre stuff I've been doing Uh, rich. When I read that vanity fair article about the Snyder cut, um, I think I mentioned Dr. Drea Letamenti was, was referenced or quoted in it. And that got me looking into her podcast that they've been doing since 2014 the arkham sessions oh wow i did not realize that that was going on and they pretty much reviewed every batman the animated series episode and she provided a psychological um case conceptualization as a clinical psychologist wow um and they also just do some mental health awareness stuff and i've i've been very much enjoying that podcast they did a really good one on the joker when joaquin phoenix's movie dropped so yeah there's like over 125 episodes and i'm like on episode 18 so i've been thoroughly enjoying that so i would really recommend you checking that out they did the doom patrol as well sounds like Um, ear porn for you i might be a little bored but yeah oh i I think they um her co-star is uh, uh he kind of is a um, DVD producer so he does some of the like 
DVD extra producing and he provides a nice context from like the film development side and she provides a really good clinical side, but it's, it's, I think it's really enjoyable. Um, even some of the episodes like um, the great Nostromo episode or whatever um, mm-hmm. that I didn't, didn't really like, I got a, a fresh take on it. So I'd recommend it. It's I've, I've really enjoyed it. Awesome. Coming up, uh, I guess in the next couple episodes, we'll be reviewing uh, there's a big, genre show that we haven't even dove into really but uh we're gonna have to dig into falcon and the winter soldier i know rob's got a little bit of catching up to do i've still got a uh i think two episodes to catch up on i think mark's all caught up um yep. if he's not watching the jersey shore um, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll definitely we'll definitely review that like we did wandavision so look for that review real soon All right, on that note, let's turn our attention to the meat and potatoes of this episode. Another home base communications with Demetrius from Anyone Comics in Brooklyn, New York. So, Demetrius, thank you again for taking our interview. We're happy to talk to you. Yeah, pleasure. We want to, first, uh, Demetrius and I have just a little bit of a history. When I first moved to New York City, I didn't have a job. I didn't have a place to live. I had a duffel bag and a book bag. And I stayed on 47th Street at the YMCA because it was like, it is also served as a hostel. It was like mm-hmm. hundred bucks a day. And right around the corner on 45th Street was Midtown Comics Grand Central. Right. And that's where I first met Demetrius. And I would come in every couple of days. And after a while, I would go in there after, as years went on. And I didn't see him anymore until I saw, I think it was on Instagram, that mm-hmm. you had opened up your own store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so now you are the owner of Anyone Comics in Brooklyn, New York. And you yeah. have such a fantastic store. And oh, it, yeah, I mean, it was so awesome and so well organized. And I just, when I came in, I had, I was like, I know I had to talk to you and just find out more about your journey and why you left Midtown and how long you were at Midtown. And we're just happy to talk to you tonight. Well, the organization is kind of inspired by Midtown also. So like, I don't think I would have learned how to organize my comics if not for that place. Nice. Ah, nice. So can you tell us how long were you at Midtown? Uh, 10 years, I would say maybe 12, arguably, but 10. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Nice. And how long yeah. have you owned any one comics? Uh, four years. So that means 16 years of comics retail. Hell yeah. <laughs> even four years going strong, even in the middle of a pandemic. Oh, yeah. Especially during a pandemic. I guess we could start it with there. Like, what's what's the current uh, pandemic? Let's do a COVID check on you, buddy. How's how's business and all that with, uh, with what's going on? No COVID yet for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the business has been... Has been Basically, I'll put it this way. Stores like Midtown Comics and Forbidden Planet are hit hard because part of their clientele is tourism. Um, You know, people who live in New York City, particularly in in those neighborhoods, have probably moved out to safer areas since it's more concentrated and stuff, right? Yeah. But when when you're a store that's uh, kind of a small business struggling, and then somebody says, hey, by the way, you're struggling because of the pandemic, it doesn't feel different because you're just struggling and still struggling. You know what I mean? So it's just like, we're not, we're not like, you know, we're not making hand over fist money, but we're still as comfortable as we were pre pandemic, I think, except for the fact that we enforce people wear masks in the store. Correct. Yeah. 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 Well, that's good. That's good to hear. Yeah. Like, uh, like our local business, we're in, uh, Rob and I are in Columbus, Ohio. They had like, I want to say a month and a half of 
nothing. Nobody can go in. Nobody. So like, damn, I'm stuck. Oh yeah, we had that too. So you had that too. Okay. Right. So yeah, I guess I could go a little bit more uh, professionally. Uh, Pre-pandemic, we were uh, concentrating on being a local store. Right. The idea was. From my perspective, we weren't going to like steal customers from Midtown or Forbidden Planet or whoever, because I think comic book fans, more than any other kind of uh, customer base, are committed to their routine. Like it's yep. hard to like, like they would have to break away voluntarily. Like we could have, and frankly, I test this out. We could have all the sales we uh, we can offer. We offered, I, sw- I swear to God, our first year, we offered twenty five percent off all comic and graphic novel purchases and still couldn't win people away from any of those other locations and stuff, right? Right. Because people are just so committed to like that and they're like, oh, this guy either doesn't know what he's doing or uh, there's a catch somewhere and I'm not going to explore it or make myself vulnerable to it. But um, over the years, so so the, the goal was really to introduce more people who haven't been reading to comics to comics. And, and so a lot of the people in Crown Heights aren't who haven't been reading before aren't going out of their way to collect comics, but when there's something convenient located to them and looking for a distraction that's not a local bar or cafe, they start to stop by, especially when we start doing like events like um, how to, you know, uh, we have drawing classes, we have a drink and draw where we have a model cosplaying. Yeah. We have, of course, signings and stuff, uh, book clubs. We really try to diversify and like add interest outside of comics that could bring people into comics potentially, right? We even held concerts and stand-up comedy shows and stuff. Hell yeah. But, um, so now, being what was for the first three years a very event-oriented uh, comic book store, um, like the pandemic telling us that we can't be open for a month and a half. Actually, we didn't know how long it was going to be, but uh, telling us that as of March 23rd, you couldn't be open, that had to change our entire strategy. Mm-hmm. Now, the first three years doing community related events completely saved us during the pandemic because people who were in the community who did kind of grow attached to this place who did get into contact with this place uh became like invested in this place of survival so they would find every excuse possible to uh to get something um the the second thing was i was for the most part the first year operating the store on my own um and so i committed to the idea early on that doing an online store or eBay or whatever yep. is it's, it's like an entirely separate job. It's, it's like opening a second store ultimately. Right. right. Yep. Yeah. That makes sense. So I wasn't in a position to do that. I wasn't in a position to like manage what the sales are online or being dedicated to that customer base, just to the store. I didn't need money. I just, you know, just needed to like be comfortable with where I'm at. Right. So, um, but again, COVID changed that. We couldn't have customers inside. And so even if we wanted to get uh, subscribers in the area, some books, they didn't know what they had. And so we had to do an online portal. So we moved towards a program called Comic Hub, which was maybe the most accessible comic-friendly um, online store. Like you can do Square, for example, Shopify. Mm-hmm. But those required you to upload all this data versus yeah. comic hub and they might be even like more fluid and more you know uh, easier to use for customer stuff but comic hub had all that data already uploaded so that wasn't 
that took away some of the work for, for me. So suddenly we're now an online, we now have stuff online that people can uh, buy and we have no events. And uh, probably the thing that hit us the hardest wasn't the closure by, um, by the state, but rather Diamond uh, didn't deliver books to stores or just yep. chose books for a month and a half yep. uh, or two months rather. And uh, like that, that lack of product was kind of what hit us a little bit harder than anything else. Now, it wasn't, I don't disagree with Diamond's decision at all. Um, I, I, I think that there was like, uh, you know, your employees come first, who, yeah. you know, yeah. Yep. So I completely agree with them. Uh, I do think that that Diamond decision had the ramifications of DC, direct ramification of DC leaving and yeah. indirect ramification of uh, Marvel leaving that we saw a couple of weeks ago, right? Yeah, yep. Um, but I do ultimately. I think I, I I agree morally agree with Diamond, even if business wise I don't agree with Diamond. Um, but the very last thing that we had to do during the pandemic that we're maintaining today is two. So we were doing uh, with our store closed, like curbside pickup, which a lot of stores were doing. Yeah. The last uh, somewhat innovative thing that we did was uh, bike deliveries mm. to people in Brooklyn. Um, <laughs> nice. I was I was in a I was in a Facebook group. Uh, with other store retailers, a lot of old school cats like uh, Golden Apple, which has mm. a guy named Brian Dibs, right? You know those guys? Uh, like all, all the retailers are in this group on uh, Facebook and uh, they mostly complain about Diamond except until L Lunar and other DC companies formed. Now they complain about them. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> yep, you're right though. <laughs> they were, they were, Everyone was complaining about everything. They were complaining about getting books and not being open. And then they were complaining about not getting books uh, and also not being open. And uh, and uh, at some point, somebody says, hey, what are some strategies you guys are using? What ideas are you using? What would you like to do? What's your ideal scenario? And I said, well, I'm taking notes from our local drug dealer and delivering on bikes. And I didn't get any comment or anything like that. I was just abruptly kicked out of the group. <laughs> I was out. All because oh, I mentioned no. a drug dealer and I wasn't lying. Right. Oh, my God. That's yeah. hilarious. Well, I'm glad to see that you guys have been so inventive and that you guys are still yeah. going strong. And I believe in your store. And I... I'm just, you know, it takes a lot of ingenuity, especially these days, to be well, able to the most, open, and you guys have done that. Yeah, the most the most innovative, uh, ingenuitous people are, are, are people who do things illicitly, like deal drugs. So you got to, like, learn to model from, from that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Follow, follow, follow drug dealers and brothel operators. They have figured out all the... Uh, you know that's that's life <laughs> advice kids <laughs> right so can you tell us since you mm -hmm. had now 16 years of, of comic retail experience when did you first fall in love with comics oh geez uh now we're getting personal I, I, yeah i've never i've never fallen in love with comics it's always been like a uh friends with benefits uh thing with comics i don't I actually kind of don't even like comics it's just easy access uh for uh for me you know like just you just hook up with the thing that is available to you necessarily especially if you have low self-esteem like me oh all right interesting okay that's the most interesting answer we've heard i don't even read comics to be honest i think the last comic i read was um you guys you guys remember that superman died in 1993 yeah, yeah. last comic it's the last comic i read no way wow <laughs> 
Well, no, no. Well, no, no, you're right. It's not because he came back and I read that. It was Superman 75. So I, Correct. No, no. No, no, no. Superman 75 when he died. Yep. He came back in, I forgot, 82. Superman 82, I think, or 83. Yeah, that was my last comic was Superman 83, 1995. So you're not collecting anything? No, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of repulsed by them to be perfectly honest I, I, i'm kidding i i love i love comics of course i, love. I, I was like i was gonna say mark's heartbroken comic store <laughs> owner doesn't read well that's more comic book stores than you you would be surprised that's more comic stores than you think but yeah. uh you know if they do a good job they hire people to run the store that do read and care about comics so so what made you want to do your own store so like what's what's some of the origin stuff there well there was no upward well, okay, I was a manager at Grand Central, uh, which was like one of uh, Midtown's three uh, store branches and stuff. Beyond that, short of being an owner, um, I wasn't I wasn't going to go anywhere. And um, the owners themselves are just workhorses. I, 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 you know, they're 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 mostly, I think, a little bit secretive about how they operate, um, and, and they're very in control of their uh, persona online stuff. So I don't want to say too much about that. I want to respect that, but. They, there's no way I was going to like be in their ranks because these guys would not never like stop working if it was, you know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. so, so taking another, the only logical route beyond that, beyond managers, just open up my own store, which I totally got with their blessing. And they even helped me out a ton. I would say they even still helped me out to be frank. When, uh, when Midtown was handling some of DC's books through UCS. um, Yeah, they were, they were totally uh, amiable to like, you know, giving me like advice and accommodating, uh, delivery, uh, for the stored stuff. So yeah, it's, it's been, it's been working out. That's nice Nice. that you still have that kind of connection. Yeah. The comic book industry is like so small. It really should, it's idiotic to make enemies, uh, in this industry. It's a fair point for sure. Yeah. I guess to pick you up back off of what Rob said, give us some of your joys and some of your pains of owning your own store. I'm sure it's, we we were on the COVID, but let's, let's say in general, I guess. Yeah. The joy, ultimately you don't need uh, to like comics to um, operate a store. I think for the most part, the comic fans, if, if you're able to listen to them, the comic book fans can help guide you. It's, 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 if let's say you don't read any comics, you need to at least register and understand that Batman sales are increasing, you know, because of uh, Magnificent Molly or whatever the new character uh, is debuting or whatever, Um, you know, therefore order more Batman comics. Uh, The guy writing Mr. Miracle, which sold well last year, is writing Rorschach, therefore order more Rorschach. It's very, like, simple uh, uh, algebra uh, to, like, just figure out, you know, one-to-one. But what you really need to love uh, when you work at this like kind of retail environment is front facing, especially for 16 years, is people, man. You really have to like care about people like genuinely or at least tolerate people. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And I think, and I think that's that's kind of been – and the reason I, I personally like people is because they're – human beings are like maybe the more complex and interesting puzzles of all, like figuring out – uh, like I had no idea about your living situation, Mark, but like, I, you know, I would just respond to, you know, whatever you like to read and just try to recommend things, you know, that are similar and stuff, right. Try to like respond to people's, uh, you know, who they are personally and maybe what kind of story fits in their lives personally. And like, right. that's, that's the connection that I, I 
genuinely like uh, more than anything else. I mean, there's stories in the pages of the books that we're reading, but there's stories in people's lives. And sometimes there's a crossover that can help them navigate through that, you know? I mean, how many Grant Morrison books uh, have a thesis of uh, fiction is a magic spell for reality and stuff, right? <laughs> Every <Yeah>. damn one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, then, and then I guess some of the heartbreak is that being part of people's lives, you kind of do see uh, some of their downturns and stuff. Um, I would say one highlight was back in Midtown Comics, uh, actually, when our computers were down, there was a customer who just generally, you're, you're in Grand Central, you're in the center of uh, Manhattan. And so you're in a cross section for a lot of people and a lot of lives, but you're generally in a job district, right? So when the computers went down, there's a guy who is generally dropped off by a limo at the store and picks up his comics and he likes his comics and stuff, right? And there was a, a homeless guy who uh, just comes in there, buys a dollar stuff, right? Computers went down and those two were like among the people in line. And I overhear them as we're trying to get everything back up and they get into a debate over whether Green Goblin or Dr. Octopus is the more important Spider-Man villain. Nice. And I'm like, holy shit, these two people. <laughs> yeah. from, you know what I mean? It was like really remarkable. And like, they didn't look or care about who they were, nor maybe they, did they even see it, but they were, they were, uh, they were talking about this one shared interest that they both had. So that was, I think, that was a, you know, that was kind of maybe a seed that like maybe care about this uh, industry a little bit more, you know? Makes sense. I mean, it does definitely, I mean, you can't get any far from this, you know, two opposite ends of the spectrum from that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Was yeah. there any particular, I know you said you were joking around, but what made you first fall in love? What drew you to comics? I don't know. I, I had some random ones when I was a child, like I would get hand-me-downs from like cousins and stuff. And like, so, so I enjoy them. I, I enjoy like, Greek mythology and stuff, right? And so having those connections and the hero stories, that's something that comic books mostly share, at least superhero comics. So I was always interested in like convoluted stories, which come, uh, I was I was always interested in hero stories, um, but maybe, and I, and I definitely started collecting habitually, like since I was four, maybe, whenever I could, uh, whenever I had a spare dollar, I would just buy more and more comics, or I would buy those uh, Marvel uh, uh, trading card packs, Oh, which yeah. would give you so they would give you more story like if you had a dollar and you had a comic the cards had more story in them than the uh one yeah, comic you're absolutely right so uh so so i enjoyed collecting those um i did watch the x-men tv show at the time um but i'd say maybe a turning point where i kind of saw them as a little bit more than what i was experiencing i i was so again i got, got a lot of hand-me-down comics from uh neighbors and cousins and uh they would never give me stuff like spider-man or uh x-men or batman or superman right but the books that they would give me are books like haywire and doom patrol mm -hmm. and thrill killer so like it was all these obscure the atom uh starman so i was getting all these obscure comics and like i would see guest appearances by characters i recognized but like i just slowly started to appreciate them anyway so in high school, uh, after having finished uh, reading Doom Patrol number 18, um, which is the issue right before Grant Morrison's run, I, uh, I pick up, I find somewhere randomly 
Doom Patrol number like 79 or something like that, right? Um, are you guys familiar with the Doom Patrol? Should I go over it for listeners or something? Go for it. Go for it. Okay, so Doom Patrol is a group of outcasts led by a guy in a wheelchair trying to save a world that fears and hates them. And it premiered three months before the X-Men in 1963. Um, they had characters like Robot Man is maybe the most famous one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's Elastigirl who grows and shrinks. Negative Man is also really well known. He projects a negative energy being. But in the and, and both series were happening concurrently for Marvel and DC. And both series got canceled around the same time. But when they both were revived, one of them had a character named Wolverine and had a writer like Chris Claremont and just Oh got my God. Big. The other <laughs> one, the other one uh uh had was pretty much trying to emulate what uh x-men did they introduced uh they introduced a diverse cast they had arani calder who was an indian woman with fire and ice powers and tempest who was a vietnam veteran with laser blast powers and he was also um a doctor and then lodestone who had magnetic powers so anyway so it became like kind of a generic x-men team right but like i was invested in the team enough where and then in issue 18 an alien invasion happens, and then I don't know anything about it. It, it was done in 1988, and then I pick up uh, issue 80, and um, the chief is a decapitated head who is tied to the uh, waist of a naked ghost. Uh, there's a character named Dorothy Spinner who is a monkey girl who can summon her imagination, and uh, let me see. Uh, there is a trans character named Calagula who can transform anything from heat, uh, I'm sorry, from solid to liquid to, to gas in a moment's notice. And they reference how uh, Negative Man became a hermaphroditical being called Rebus. I'm like, what the f*** happened in the last <laughs> That's hilarious. 60 issues? <laughs> so, so it really opened my mind up to like the possibilities. Because like, again, like, I was just seeing like these generic superheroes originally, which I, I kind of cared about, but then like it really went wild and I'm like, holy shit, you can tell any kind of story you yeah. want. <laughs> so I guess true. that's when I fell in love. And Doom Patrol is like to date my favorite comic uh, in any iteration. That's awesome. So kind of considering that history, considering kind of what was, what you were reading when you first started. Yeah. What's your take on, and this is a pretty broad question. What is your take yeah, yeah. on comics in general today? Like with, I mean, obviously you could do the big publishers, but what do you think of the stories that are being told right now? Um, I think the zeitgeist moving forward and has been moving towards independent comics in general. Um, when you consider, you know, ish, the fact that creators' rights have been an issue since 60s, 70s, 80s. Yeah. Um, and it's still a, a, a topic of, uh, you know, conversation today. Um, when you consider how the, the uh, IP, have become important these days. Comics are moving toward independent publishers in general. Um, I think Marvel and DC are. I think. I think they're fine. I think. I think they're not in a position to innovate anymore. I agree. Right. Um, I think. I think companies like Boom Studios are innovating constantly. I, I think Image is also a little bit complacent, but also uh, open for innovation as well. Um, but. In my opinion, comics have always been best when they're a guerrilla art form. Um, all the best ideas are done by the people who have their odds against them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Yeah. And I think I think we are. Uh, I don't know. I think I think we're in a good. I don't know. I like. I can't. I just think the industry is where it needs to be right now. Frankly, um, I'll say this: the one thing that people don't consider <clears throat> is when they look at mainstream versus indie. The people who are working in mainstream, there's a there's a corporate agenda. Let's say um, sure. there's a company agenda, but the people who work for that company, almost on every level, have an indie spirit. They support indie comics. They don't want to see comic book stores go. Like there's no one who works on any level of comics that doesn't care about just the people who collect it or the stores that uh, sell them or just the indie talent in general. They they want to see them thrive. So. Um, when people uh, criticize DC or Marvel's decision, you know, it might be a business decision, but again, the the people that run it, the editors and stuff, the marketing people, they still are invested in comics. So I think comics are where they need to be, and I think we're going to continue to see innovation in, in uh, books right now. I think that'll be awesome. Absolutely. Yep. Um, I think uh, now that you say indie, like a lot of a lot of the cool stuff that I've started reading just this year alone because i'm just yeah you know i'm i'm grasping at straws here a lot of the times i really really love um who uh something's killing the children boom studio oh, yeah, yeah, book. Yeah. we talked yeah, to yeah. we talked to matthew clickstein who did you are obsolete with aftershock like badass book like it is it's just those real quick maybe a mini series or just like a long-running title but like some of that innovative like originality is a breath of fresh air and i totally see that i totally definitely see that so you already said are you seriously not currently collecting anything i'm like i'm collecting a couple things okay what is it (laughs) i'm reading uh i'm reading i'm reading rorschach by tom king which i really enjoy i i i am i am enjoying that actually yeah, I'm, have, I'm having some issues with Mr. King, but go ahead. <laughs> well, what, wait, what are your issues with uh, Mr. King? Uh, well, right now, it's I'm reading Batman Catwoman, and you know the fourth issue just came out, and it, he is just, number one, he's all over the place. And it's just going so slow. And I'm just, it's... He is, I, I, he is a very layered writer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a Babbitt fan, but I would imagine um, his. I, I kind of imagine that Babbitt Catwoman would be slow because it's about a relationship, right? And so you kind of need to live with it in order to kind of get used to it, in order for him to disrupt it at a later point, presumably around issue seven. I would say you're probably no, right on. That, yeah, yeah, that's a beautiful explanation. But I mean, he just needs to speed it up a bit. He needs to, but he needs to do something because I feel Mark's like impatient. I'm, it's fine. I'm Very impatient. I'm, I'm impatient, and it's just, but it's not. It's not like, and I, what you're saying is right. No, I know you. I know. I know what you want, Mark. Not enough sex scenes. Probably. You know what? That could be it. There's actually. A, there's a lot of in that book. Okay. <laughs> oh, there is. Okay. Not enough. It's not enough and i just don't feel like he's really it's not keeping it it's just not as enticing as i thought but that could be it but i didn't mean to cut you off go ahead yeah some more oh, I, I, uh, oh so I, i'm reading rorschach I'm, I'm reading um um hickman's uh x-men uh just the just an x-men title right now i'm trying out as many so 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 the one thing about owning a, a comic book store and then being here is um People expect you to like read everything. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And 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 so the the trick is, I'm gonna give you guys a tip if you guys want to open up your own store. Uh, you don't need to read everything. You just need to read enough of something to get the point and to predict what direction it's gonna go to. And that's it. And then you're set. Like and you I think just with did Tom, it. Issue seven. 
<laughs> right, right. I think, I, think, I think with Tom King books, you know they're mostly going to be about uh, domestic partnerships like uh, Mr. Miracle and... <laughs> And then they're mostly going to be about PTSD. So, you know, yeah. so I, I, I haven't read the Strange Adventures one, but I'm predicting that there's a domestic partnership with Alana and then Adam Strange's PTSD from, uh, you know, from Rand. Right. I haven't read it either, but you're probably right. <laughs> um, but Rorschach's really good because it's uh, kind of um, insight into it's, it's not about what you think. It's more. It is not. About, yeah. Yeah. It's it's more about people who embrace like Rorschach's or someone like Rorschach's indoctrination and how they get into that point. Um, like, frankly, you know, the characters in Rorschach could have easily been part of the storming the Capitol in January 6th, right? Mm, yeah. It's almost a prescient book in, in a sense. But uh, so I'm enjoying Rorschach for that reason. And all the issues are self-contained, which is amazing. Like, you can just read each issue individually without reading the previous one. I'm reading... Uh, I'm trying out issue number ones all over the place. I, I did like, oh, I did like this week's Silver Coin by Chip Zdarsky. I'm not the biggest Chip Zdarsky fan, but did you guys read Silver Coin at all? Oh, man, I'm a huge Chip Zdarsky fan. Sorry. Silver <laughs> <laughs> Coin's like really, done, uh, really well done, though. So it's, it's a really good self-contained uh, issue, I think, for whatever they're setting up with the uh, series. Okay. Yeah, and that's, I think that's about it. And then I just, I, 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 I don't have time for much else. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Well, what have been some of your favorite television shows and movies? Yeah, oh, I'm just watching. Is- I'm just watching Star Trek. I kind of. Uh, oh, Trekkie. Kind of don't watch. Yeah, I don't watch the movies or the TV shows. Really? Like, yeah, I've kind of decided that if they're adapting the story faithfully, I've already read the story, so my time would be better spent like seeing an original. Uh, okay. Very story. good point. Very good point. And then, and then usually when they're not faithful to the adaptation, they're usually like terrible. And then you kind of say, why didn't they stick faithfully to the uh, material? Um, but with that said, I do like uh, The Boys. Um, yeah. you know, it's a little bit lackluster, but The Boys, I think, is the proven on source material. I think, I think whoever the writers are, they're they they really added uh, personality to like the seven at the expense of The Boys themselves. But I think it's like a really interesting, like great uh, take on it. And and a critique on superhero movies and television in general. I think it's amazing yeah. in that regard. Absolutely. Um, I did like the Doom Patrol TV show. I, it, it pretty much pushed the boundaries as much as possible, but is definitely tame, uh, you know, compared to the source material. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think I think those are yeah, those are the two shows I I really watched. I, I I couldn't get into any of the Arrowverse stuff. I thought the teen drama stuff was just too. Uh, it's boring. done. It's done. Okay, cool. So I didn't know it was over. <laughs> No, it's not, but I'm just saying I'm done with it. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so what are some of your, like, favorite movies, though? Do you still have some some lists of some your favorites and your least favorites? Yeah. Does this have to be comic book movies, or could I mention other movies? You could do, like, I would say comics, sci-fi genre, you know, give us Star, right, Trek, give Star Trek 6. I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I've actually only just started to get Star Trek, so I actually haven't watched uh, too many Star Trek movies. I've only watched... Uh, Wrath of Khan and Search for Spock. And uh, Search for Spock is pretty good, except that Christopher Lloyd is the uh, villain. It's right. very distracting, and it's, it's kind of... Uh, Marty! I don't know, like, <laughs> yeah, like... It's hard yeah. to take him seriously, I think. You can't take him seriously, man. Uh, 
I'm a bit okay. of a Trekkie myself. I would say my top five superhero movies are number one is Superman with uh, Richard Donner, Christopher Reeves. 78. I okay. That, I think that that's just like a well done movie in general. I think that's kind of like a movie. It, it, it's just it's just a really good movie with great uh, cinematics and, and, mm-hmm. and settings and stuff. Great score. Um, you know, you could get high and watch it because of how slow moving it is. So it's like 2001. 2001- Odyssey. Yep. <laughs> um, I think number two is uh, the um, uh, Winter Soldier movie. I think it's an excellent mm. movie. I think yeah, like good one. Yeah. Yeah. The action, that action scene, like the Russo brothers did an awesome job ever since the paintball episodes of Community. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I think my number three movie might be uh, Into the Spider-Verse, even though I have problems with it. Um, but Into the Spider-Verse is, is probably my, my number three favorite superhero movie just because of like how innovative it was how different it was, it was. such a fun movie yeah, yeah um yeah i don't i don't yeah i don't know what my four and five are uh what are ones that you hate i always we always like to hear both sides of the coin here oh sure Catwoman. uh <laughs> movies movies i hate i like Catwoman. Catwoman. uh Catwoman. uh <laughs> there's a first Catwoman is, Cat, 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 I, I like Catwoman because like it's so idiotic. You can see exactly how the studio heads were thinking about this, right? Like, she gets powers from chemicals from her factory, and you basically have to have only watched a Tim Burton Catwoman movie and think that that's Catwoman's absolute story, and then just decided, okay, we got to cut out Batman, brother. That let's keep everything else intact. But anyway, no, it's terrible. But uh, um, no, but it's not like. It's so stupid. I can't hate it. I like the movies I hate are like movies that I think are influential, like which are popular and influential. And I hate them as a result, you know, gotcha. so like, I don't know. Like I would say Deadpool, but I haven't watched a Deadpool movie at all. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I try to, I try not hate movies, man. <laughs> it's all right. You haven't been in a movie theater for about two years, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Let's yeah, go back to the Let's go back to the yeah. comics. So give us some of your favorite creators and artists. Like it could be the combo or just if somebody's writing a book, like you, you dropped uh, Chris Claremont, stuff like that. I know that's Mark's one of Mark's favorites. Who are your standout right. writers and artists? Um, I, I, I really did not think it was Tom King, but after Rorschach, it might be Tom King. Like I hate um, Watchmen adaptations. Oh shit. I think Watchmen's a movie I hate. Um, but anyway, <sighs> Uh, he just killed Rich. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I like the first ten minutes of Watchmen, but I hate it. It's so stupid. But anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, All right, it's been nice talking to you. We'll uh, talk to you later. <laughs> All right. I, I, it, it just like I was okay with it until until uh, uh, Night Owl was witnessing Rorschach getting blown up by Doctor Manhattan. Like he was there. He didn't do anything. He just stared at them talking. <laughs> and then he blew up, and then he just screamed. And I know, like, Night Owl was supposed to be the audience. Basically, Night Owl was, the, like, what Zack Snyder wanted to do in the comic if he himself was in the comic. I that, agree with that. Okay. I agree with that. So that, that kind of took me out of the movie. But anyway, I'm sorry. Um, frankly, the Rorschach thing really impressed me. I gave it a chance and uh, really enjoyed it. Um, I mean, I think Alan Moore, I read his last book, Cinema Purgatorio. Um, it's really good. It's a comic book. Uh, have you guys read Cinema Purgatory? My I chance? have not. No. So it's from Avatar, and it's a comic book told in the second person perspective. So you walk into a movie theater, and you watch a, 
old golden age cinema black and white movie, but it's like a really demented, twisted version of it where um, like you get more of the behind the scenes things that are happening, like uh, the Black Dahlia murders. You get some insight to the Black Dahlia murders or how, right, how uh, Warner Brothers was really like a money laundering front for uh, a bunch of corrupt people who use movie theaters to like just hide their money and shit. Um, and so, and so that was, that was interesting. So Alan Moore might be a guy that I'll check out almost anything of. Yeah. Yeah. Grant Morrison, Grant Morrison is somebody I would definitely check. Uh, like I'm excited for Grant Morrison's Superman and the authority. I think that's going to be really interesting. Oh yeah. I mean, he has Superman in his new 52 costume. I I think it's just going to be like really uh, a interesting book altogether. Yeah. I don't know. And then like all those, all the people you would typically, uh, check out like right quietly as a guy would check out. Mm -hmm. Um, I do. I do like uh, also Fred Van Lente. Um, I guess he's less popular, but I think he's a great writer. Like he wrote one of my favorite series called Incredible Hercules. Mm, okay. Um, okay. Amadeus Show and Hercules. Um, he did Archer and Armstrong, which is really good for Valiant. I highly recommend it. And he's currently writing something called The Comic Book History of Animation, which is really good also. Um, it's it's what, it, what it sounds like. It's the history of animation. Ryan Dunlavey is the artist on that one. Uh, they're really good combination. Yeah, I'd say those are my my go-to. Hell yeah. So what nice. are your, so let's go to um, mm-hmm. another medium of this nerd mecca business. Yeah, yeah. What um what are some of your favorite Comic Con memories? Do you have any of those? Oh man, I worked every Comic Con <laughs> since New York Comic Con's conception. So we've uh, got a few. It sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me think. I mean. I would imagine most of my favorite memories are like, oh, okay, I got one. Um, I was, uh, after I, I worked the shift, I uh, I jumped online because uh, my friend really wanted to meet Jim Lee. So I jumped on the back of a DC line for Jim Lee. And uh, it was during the end of, it was towards the end of the day. And uh, they just kind of picked out 20 people, including myself and my friend. And they were like, all right, Jim Lee's going to draw a sketch for all you guys. Right? Hell yeah. yeah. And so um. one of my favorite, one of my favorite characters is uh, Maverick. Do you guys know Maverick from X-Men? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. He, he, he's my favorite character for no reason except that he's got a faceplate. And I think a guy who's in the army with all the technology should have a faceplate on because, you know what I mean? Like, anyway, so he's got a cool costume. And Jim Lee designed him and everything, right? So I get to I get to the uh, to the front. I'm like, oh, shit. Jim Lee's going to finally draw Maverick for me. And I go, he goes, oh, what character do you want? I go, uh, Maverick. And then he just kind of pauses and looks up and goes, ah, I don't remember what he looks like. Well, you have another one? I go, oh. I go, Wonder Woman. So he draws Wonder Woman, <laughs> which I'm happy with, but still. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the one he At least remember. he's real. He's real. He's real. I, he's yeah, real. I, I don't remember what he looks like. <laughs> um, uh, uh, do you guys remember it was in Bleeding Cool a couple of years ago that yeah it would have been around 2017 uh, they were mentioning how retailers were upset that uh, with Marvel they were screaming at Marvel during the uh, uh, Marvel Legacy era with Axel Alonso they were saying that retailers were upset uh, that Iceman was gay and I forgot what else they mentioned um, like they were complaining about yeah they were complaining about the gender swap of characters and then and then somebody dropped that ice when I was gay. Anyway, I was I was in that meeting where that Bleeding Cool covered so terribly of uh, where uh, Marvel was doing these legacy comics. And the biggest issue was that they did these um, reflective, um, what do you call it? 
Uh, do you remember that they had these variant covers that you just they were they were a tribute to an older cover, but then you you know um, it was it was it, it wasn't a hologram. It was like a uh, it was just a foil a, cover. Yeah, it wasn't a foil cover either. It was it was like a lenticular lenticular cover. Okay. Yep. Yep. You would have the cover, and then it would homage the older cover, and then you got to see both sides yeah. of it. Right. Yeah. So retailers were upset about that in general. This is like my first year being a retailer, and they were upset about uh, the fact that we had to order something like two hundred percent more of what we would normally order on Daredevil or something like that in order to get those retail, uh, those lenticular covers. But we retailers also knew that our fans, our customers would be asking for them and go to stores that were ordering them if we didn't get them, right? Yeah. So, so uh, Marvel knew that these complaints were coming. And in that meeting, they had they made sure to um, not have their head of sales, David Gabriel, there at the meeting. And... Um, and so when every time anybody would bring up, hey, I have a question about the lenticular covers, they would be like, oh, David Gabriel's in here. Talk to the booth. Uh, uh-huh. Can't have this conversation here right now because the guy who's an expert isn't here. We have Charles Soule here who could talk to you about Daredevil, but we can't talk about the lenticular covers. Right? <laughs> wow. Anyway, so retailers like me were like, okay, nothing I could do, right? We, we had that, right? What Marvel did anticipate was that some of these retailers are old as f- and old people don't care that the person who can deal with that complaint isn't their deal. They'll f-ing complain and they'll get loud and they will, you, it doesn't matter if you're ma- you need to get your manager, you're that target until that manager gets there. Right. So they had a guy, uh, I forgot, I forgot who it was, but I know his store closed down recently. So the old guy gets up and he goes, why are you making us order all these comics? They're sitting there on my shelves. And I'm not able to sell them. And then he got a round of applause. Everybody in the room was on his side. And like, the guy kind of like looks around, proud of himself. He goes, and why did you make Iceman gay? (laughs) Room dies immediately. Oh my God. Room dies immediately, loses the crowd. He goes, I got kids coming to my store. Oh no. Crickets, crickets. (laughs) Sit down, sir. Yeah, and then somebody yells, somebody yells, uh, you should have quit while you were ahead. Right? Mm, mm. Guy, guy, guy sits down. You know, Marvel's not happy with situation. No one's happy with situation, right? I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm like, holy shit! I'm around a bunch of people who are more progressive than I thought. Is what I conclude, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I run. I, I, I get out of the comic con. Uh, I get out of the stupid uh, meeting. I run straight to like the one person I knew was there who I'm familiar with. Um, Brandon Montclair, co-creator of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Okay. Right? I, go, I go straight to the table. I recount the same story to him. And he's like cracking up how idiotic this whole thing was. And it was hilarious and stuff, right? And then I see the Bleeding Cool coverage the following day, which is like, retailers upset, Iceman is gay. <laughs> and it made <laughs> oh it seem gosh. like the entire room was on this guy. I'm like, holy shit, this is terrible coverage. Should have been one retailer upset, Iceman is gay. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there was one other guy who clapped when he said that, but like still, like the majority of the room was not on this on this guy's side, you know? So that, that was a good memory. I enjoyed that memory, actually. I hate, I hate Bleeding <laughs> for that but i enjoy that memory though well can you tell us to anyone who's new to collecting comics what can they expect what issue what comic or what story would you recommend to them now um it really depends on what that uh person would be into um but i think from uh marvel comics children of the atom might be a good one every few years x-men back in the claremont era x-men would debut a new character almost like clockwork every year every two years right so you got shadow cat followed by 
Rogue, followed by Dazzler. And the purpose of that was because the comic was ongoing, this new member would be told what, you know, the backstory of everybody that's relevant, right? Like Rogue hearing uh, from Wolverine who Juggernaut is, how he's Professor X's half-brother. You know, that's that's a, a way to catch up new readers. Absolutely. But for older for older readers, it's a new set of dialogue. You get a little bit of Wolverine's perspective on Juggernaut and Rogue, uh, how she reacts to that, right? And so Claremont did this really intelligently where every year or two, he introduces a new character, right? So um, with X-Men, that kind of stopped when uh, Bendis did the um, five original X-Men time traveling. Mm -hmm. That was, they were the point of view. So in a sense, that was kind of a smart move. It was also obviously, I think, unanimously i think everyone agrees it went on for too long but they were the perspective new perspective on the um on x-men continuity which is interesting um especially since i believe at the time there's a stoppage of creating new mutants and everything in marvel comics um but there hasn't been i don't remember any new characters created since then and children of the atom at least is going to be a new jumping on point for potentially new readers and stuff right i think uh miles morales is of course a good uh character for new readers um he's starting a new storyline very shortly maybe within the next two weeks uh the clone saga um although i don't think clone sagas are selling points for new readers but i'm sure uh solid Ahmed might make it accessible to uh new readers um oh actually i would actually say stronger than that is uh the champions i think the champions comic is really good a uh, new readers comic as a matter of fact, right? You're getting a new generation of characters. You're getting um, the fact that the Kamala uh, Khan laws are have banned younger um, uh, superheroes. So there's a kind of uh, oppression, which most people can relate to. Um, I think DC Comics has been really uh, good with Future State, I think. I think Future State was a really good jumping on point or like a trial run for a lot of uh, creative teams and characters. Yeah. Um, so by extension, I think Wonder Girl by Joelle uh, Jones might be a good one when that debuts in May. I think, I want to say, well, Strange Academy is definitely a good new place for readers to get into, I think for sure. I'm, I'm not sure Teen Titans Academy is a good jumping off point. It should be, but it's referencing continuity that never happened. So right. it, people feel like they're missing something by reading it. Um, yeah. but at least, but, but, you know, that's also how Hickman writes things too. So everyone feels like they're missing something in X-Men anyway. So <laughs> he times to pull it off, I think as well. Oh, you know, you know what, you know what? I, I guarantee you the new Robin comic that comes out is going to be a great, uh, jumping on point, right? It's a tournament of non powered, uh, yes. martial arts people in DC, right? Yes. I think it's yes. awesome. Com- and I think, uh, Gleb Melnikov. Uh, he did a backup story in Superman uh, Worlds at War for Future State. It was really awesome. He did a good uh, Midnighter story. Um, I think I think it's be great art. I think it's gonna be a great story overall. Um, uh, I think for indie books, uh, Shadecraft was a good uh, like kind of uh, new book for readers that came out this week. I think I think indie books always has something interesting. Um, you just kind of have to be there and I I guess I would give new readers advice and just say show up on Wednesday as soon as your local store opens because there's a bunch of middle-aged men who want to buy multiple copies of the book that might be perfect for you who want to yeah. grab yeah. the book. 
I agree. Well, Demetrius, I want to tell you, you have done so great. It has been great talking to you. You've gone above and beyond. And I thought it was just going to be like some quick 20, but you, your answers were so full and so thoughtful. And it's really been great getting to know you better personally and your store. And Hell yeah. I really appreciate you taking the time and talk with us tonight. Uh, did, did I talk too much? I feel like I talked too much. No, not at, no. All. Not at great. all. Well, can I ask 20 years, you guys have obviously been collecting comics for 20 years also, and you're, you're now one state apart. Um, how do you guys see comics now versus how it was 20 years ago? Mm. Oh, good question. Like, I'm assuming that hobby brought you guys together, or was it just yeah, something absolutely. else? Yep, absolutely. Okay, yep. Um, stories me, were better then. Stories were better back then. I don't, know, better. I don't know, man, because late 90s comics, you go back and read them now, they're just big piles of shit. But uh, I don't know. Um, it's a lot more. Mark, Mark always had a, a very older collection. So yeah. a lot yeah. of a lot of 60s, 70s, 80s. Um, and I find going back and reading older stuff now. So I, I don't know, man. I definitely think comics now are, I don't want to say less fun, but looking through it through the lens of being a father and being an adult and seeing the issues that you normally wouldn't have seen as a kid growing up, um, they're just different, different eyes, I guess. Um, I, I still feel like the, the big two are still doing the same gimmicks they've always done. You know what I mean? Yeah. I give it another year. They'll kill Superman again. It, you know what I mean? Oh, so it, it's, it's still the same footprint, I think, and the same strategy. It's just, how are they going to change it? And we've talked many times on this show about just tell really good stories and we'll love it and we'll talk about it. Sometimes I feel like they struggle, but when you get a, a random independent, that's really good that we'll talk about. And like, I'm with you. I, I'm, I haven't been the biggest Tom King fan, but I'm really enjoying Rorschach. So it's always like, you got to find the gems and you spoke to it a lot. Like the independence, you got to find the gems in there too. It's like, this is what a guy wanted to tell that maybe somebody didn't green light somewhere else. And I think you hit it also like the future state. I wasn't a big fan of, I was like, ah, oh, here we go again, another relaunch. And I got, I got yeah. all my books and, but it was, it was like a premiere of what talent could be and what we could see uh, going forward and just like new takes. So it was, it was, like, it was like an audition for a lot of these. I, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know about you, but I was like, I was thrilled that in February and January, there was not one Jeff Johns or Scott Snyder book on the shelf <laughs> for, for with the you, first dude. time. In I'm like 20 I'm years, I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, like that, I don't have anything personally against it, but I'm just tired of seeing their names on everything, man. You know, I, uh, I like Scott Snyder, but goddamn, I'm tired of Scott Snyder. And I even read his, <laughs> what is that? That Noctura. Noctura. The, and I, I'm just like, I, I just, no. I, I I loved probably his first his first story arc and when he took over Batman in the new 52. That was like, yeah. and that was like my favorite. And I'm oh, like, oh yeah, Court of Owl. Yeah, man. Like I'm, I'm, but other than that, yeah, I'm yeah. like, I'm, I'm just, I hated metal. Metal just went on and on and on and on and on and on and oh, Batman who laughs on and on and on. I'm like, can you, I'm done with this shit. This was like two loved, years ago. I loved, I loved Port of Owls because it debuted uh, six months after Gates of Gotham, where we learned that there was a secret conspiracy of people that controlled Gotham's bridges uno, uh, that Bruce Wayne was not aware of for yeah. the last. 50 years of operating Batman. And it was a year after the black glove where apparently there was a secret conspiracy in Gotham that Bruce was not aware of for the last 50 years. 
and also 10 years after the debut of Leviathan, where there was a secret conspiracy in Gotham that Bruce Wayne was not aware of the last 50 years. <laughs> Just, I feel like there's not enough conspiracies in Gotham. And I, I, Scott Snyder delivered it the right time. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. I agree. That's what I don't know, dude. It, it is. It is. It's just. It's currently. You just got to find a really good, a really good book, a really good story, and like, like I mentioned before, like something's killing the children by Tiny, and I'm like, I'm all over that shit. Like yeah, that's yeah. original to me, and I'm like, it's it's not superheroes, but it's creepy as shit. But it is. It's just finding the new stuff. I I guess it's it's. I don't know if I want to say it was better back when we first met it sparked a lot of conversation that is now translated to doing this podcast together, but I don't know. I, I still wouldn't trade it for the world. Is, is your kid reading comics? Uh, we, uh, he is 10 and we've read uh, Jeff Smith's bone, which we've talked about that on this show. And that's, that's probably our favorite, but uh, superhero wise uh, I've kind of dabbled with the death of Superman story. I'm like, Hey bub, this is what really got me into comics back when I was not in double digits of age, but yeah, it was, uh, we're, we're, we're starting to dabble with it. Rob, you're dabbling with it. Aren't you? Yeah. Just kind of doing more, um, like five minute comic book stories. You know, we did read the bone, um, story all the way through, which he really enjoyed. Um, but yeah, just kind of dabbling a little bit more into a little bit of everything, a little bit of Marvel, a little bit of DC. Um, but you know, he's, I'm just kind of leaving the landscape open for him. I think for me, surprisingly, I'm actually reading and seeking out more independent stuff than I ever have. Cause, uh, Rich and I are kind of the firm DC guys. Mark's always been the Marvel We've kind of always had a, a little bit of our um, uh, hand in some of the Marvel stuff, but definitely was way more uh, DC oriented. But I, what I'm finding interesting is re-engaging uh, with a lot of the stuff um, before we even really collected, like going back and just engaging in the whole uh, universe. Like I've been watching Batman, the animated series, like I never have before and really loving that. Um going back and rereading some of the other stuff. I, I guess it's very interesting to remember what, what I read as a kid, but then now with different perspective, yeah, you know, there's always something new. So, I mean, even I, I think to Rich's point, we had a really good conversation that I refer to often from uh, with Paul Jenkins. And he really just said, you know, let the creators do their thing. And I think as long as there's a solid story, um, you could reread it and reread it and find something new every time, or, you know, just let the creator do their thing. And I guess there's good stuff. Now there was good stuff. Then there's bullshit now and there's bullshit back then, but yeah, I don't know. It's just been fun to kind of re-engage with things. And then at, honestly branching out into some things that I never really read before. So, so the one thing, the one, uh, uh, like obstacle I have to get over is that there's a different context and circumstances that people engage in stuff, right? If you're reading Port of Owls after the fact, years later, you don't have the context of getting it as soon as it dropped like right. that day, right? That's and then, right, and then and then Rich doesn't have the same um, context that I had. He had a diff completely different experience reading it. Me, I passive aggressively said it was a copycat story from everything else that happened beforehand. But Rich, for him, it was an original, like, he never he never dealt with like the other uh, 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 crappy stories that came out before that, right? Yeah. But um, and then and then again, like reading things like issue per issue versus graphic novel, you know that sense of anticipation in the graphic novel is completely gone from the single issue readers, right? Yeah. And then lastly, kids these days, they're not 
approaching it the way we were approaching these comics 20 years ago. Like Bone is maybe their entry point and maybe that format, since DC is putting out all those DC Inc. books and stuff or Young Reader, whatever they're called, right? Yeah. Um, that might be what the future of this has to take, right? And me, I want to do this as long as possible. I want to do this. I want to like keep the store out as long as possible and like be like live comfortably sure. just doing this, right? Uh, but I have to engage new readers because uh, older readers are either going to drop off um, or, you know, because it's, it, you know, because either whatever circumstances, maybe they die, maybe like they can't afford or whatever, or they're not happy with how things are to that. So I need to get new readers into it stuff, right? And so, uh, so, so, so my point is that like, you know, we're, we're always going to look at how we approach uh, our comics growing up when we were 13 or whatever with that additional experience of like yes. who was around us, you know, yeah. what we were doing at the time and stuff, right? And just circumstances are really different right now. Like one week after I opened up, uh, kids from the local high school started coming in and they were like marveled by everything. They were just like really shocked stores around here. And I said, hey, guys, this is the one comic book store that won't yell at you for grabbing books and mishandling them stuff, right? So grab whatever you want. One week after that, they come in and just get on their phones right away, man. And like, they, they wouldn't engage in material. So it's a different world right now, you know? Yeah, it really is, yeah. <laughs> well, Demetrius, right. I want to thank you again for taking yeah. time and talking with us. I can't wait to visit your store again. Yeah. And I wish you much continued success. And we hope to do this again with you soon. It was great meeting you. All right. Yeah, nice man. Talk to you guys. Take care. Hey. Thank you again. See ya. Take care. See you, buddy. Bye. Well, that wraps another great home-based communications. Thank you very much to Demetrius from Anyone Comics. If you are in the Brooklyn area, please stop in his shop and uh, support him. What a great guy. Um, on that note, one more thing to add. Don't forget about the review sweepstakes. Uh, definitely want to encourage that to send us a review and a comment on iTunes. We're trying to dig into that and uh, generate some more. And we really want to give you a gift certificate to your local comic shop and encourage the small business there. And who knows, maybe somebody in Brooklyn will get a Anyone Comics uh, gift certificate. Yeah, so that'd be cool. Definitely want to uh, keep that program alive and well well boys we had a really really good episode uh thanks again to demetrius at anyone comics really good insight really good uh conversation with him i just i love getting uh other retailers perspective of what's going on in their personal stuff yeah too. it was good to hear like uh an additional perspective that was just context matters and yeah kind of some different things from uh zapzik you know and different from our guy Gib locally so it was just good to kind of hear somebody's unique perspective um, which is very different so that was pretty cool yeah so until next time this is rich this is mark and this is rob um again hit us up on your podcast application of choice go ahead and like and subscribe and give us a comment let us know if there's something that we haven't talked about that you really want to hear about um, let us know for doing something awful. Like, can you guys shut up about the Watchmen already? I mean, you know, let us know, you know, we, we're open to, uh, hearing your feedback and any recommendations. And of course we always want to hear, um, who would win ideas. Like those were the conversations that kind of built the relationship between the three of us. These are the conversations we were having in my parents' basement. So, 
All right. Take care. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, as always, for listening and supporting this RMR production.